good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, coming to you from the Coming Home Network International, And uh, but you're hearing us over EWTN Radio. Thank you for joining us today. A great saint of the church said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And the reason behind this program is to enable us by the study of Scripture in the context of the teacher, the church, to help us therefore grow in more intimate union with our Lord Jesus Christ. And for that, I invite guests to come and join us on the program to share some of their favorite scriptures. We can talk about how particular scriptures help them grow in a deeper way with our Lord Jesus Christ through the study of scripture, praying scripture. And our guests for today are Chuck and Joanne Wilson, Chuck is a former Congregationalist, and uh, Joanne is a lifelong Catholic, and their journey, uh, they joined me on the Journey Home program, will be broadcast in several weeks, and you'll hear the full story, and I invite you to check the EWTN website to find out when their story will appear on Journey Home. But I also invite them to join me on Deep in Scripture to talk about a few of the scriptures that help them along in their journey, both in relationship to Jesus Christ and his church and to each other, helping their marriage grow and, and helping them understand their calling as husband, wife, father, and mother. And we all need to be challenged in that way. And I think we'll get some of that in our study today. Just a little bit more about my guest. Chuck is... Um, they have four children, all of whom attended the Franciscan University of Steubenville. Their oldest son is a priest in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joanne is on the board of the Columbus Catholic radio station, St. Gabriel. I think we're being heard over them, even as I speak. Uh, she's also on the board of a Catholic Women's Conference, active with Christ Child Society, and leads women with the Endow Program. And Chuck is the director of the Diocese of Columbus Catholic Men's Ministry, and conference, and he's the president of the Columbus the Goddess chapter. So, um, uh, Chuck, are you, uh, I'll get you on in a little bit because I, I didn't get to hear uh, whether you're retired or not from business. Uh, I can't remember. We'll, we'll get to that because okay. I'm thinking people don't really retire, do they? No. They can become very, very, very busy, but maybe have a better chance to choose what they want to do with their time and their gifts. So we'll look at that in just a little bit. But I asked them what kind of scriptures they'd like to talk about, and and there's a variety of ones. But the main one that I want to mention, that we'll start with, is a, a such a key verse in the instruction of our Lord Jesus to those that would follow Him. And in fact, this particular text it says in John eight thirty one that He was speaking to the Jews who had believed in Him, and there's a significance to that. He wasn't giving this context to people who had not yet believed in him, had not yet chosen to follow him. And the point is that that's merely the beginning. The believing in Jesus is the beginning. It isn't the end. And that's what he says in John 8, 31 and 32. And I'll read that. We'll take a break. And then um, uh, the Wilsons will join us. So Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, coming to you from the Coming Home Network International, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grody's book, Journey's Home, Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodi's book, Journey's Home, 
simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Chuck and Joanne Wilson. Welcome, you two. Thank you for thank coming you. and joining us today, both of you. you uh, thank you so much for the interview on the Journey Home program. Uh, and uh, it, in some ways, this Deep in Scripture interview follows on that. So those of you listening, uh, you really need to make sure you hear the Journey Home program to know all the details of that. And, but I mentioned a little earlier about are you retired? And it's because we didn't bring that up before, but you were saying something during the break I think is important that connects with what you are doing now. Right, Marcus, and uh, thank you for having us on your program. Um, I'm not retired. (laughs) Um, Got involved with men's ministry, and one of the things I think men have been created to do is to provide. And part of that providing is to go out and be in the marketplace and no matter how old or how young you are, God has created us, I think, as a God-given talent to do that. And whether it's uh, working or whether it's volunteering, uh, it's staying active. And, I, and I'm convinced today that it's so important for the kingdom that we don't leave the marketplace. We stay active in the marketplace, and we also stay active in the marketplace where God has us. And uh, for me, it's been in the commercial flooring business all my life. Yeah. Okay. So I'm able to do that. And also, I'm able to, therefore, give back to these apostolates um, in time also. So I'm able to balance it. And one of their areas that I realize important for me is to be the husband to Joanne and the father continue to our children, who are all adult children, and also be the uh, grandfather to our 12 grandchildren. And uh, so it's staying active, but life is good. I was going to say, I saw that picture earlier with your all the little grandkids in the picture and uh, all about the same age. You know, yeah. That's going to be neat for them. But I was thinking about you, Joanne. I mean, you you were time were very busy, of course, as a mother with your children. But then when they're gone and they're you married know, and they have, then there's your grandkids, it gives you an opportunity to continue using gifts in a different way. It does. I, I really don't believe in that term, empty nest. Uh, I think that, you know, the nest is always there. And for Chuck and I, uh, I never worked for pay outside the home, but I have been volunteering for 40 years. And, uh, you know, without pay, pay being out of this world, as they say, but primarily being a homemaker and being very happy to use my time in that regard and to still continue on. I'm seeing the role of a grandparent now with uh, 12 children under the age of 11 is, uh, you know, it's so joyful, but there's, there's a lot to do. And there's uh, you can't tell your children be open to life and then not support them in that. It's we're we're a team. And yet I understand they are the parents. We are the Nana and Papas. A different, (laughs) different role, different role. There was a, I don't have it in front of me, but there was a great uh, mystical writer who was um, a monk, and I think he was writing in the 6th century, and it may have been later, but it was he was writing to his fellow monks, helping them grow in their, in their calling, their unique calling to be hermits, to live, well, they live in community, but yet, but yet, you know, the, the individuality of, of their life. And he was writing about the sin of self-esteem. The sin of self-esteem, which runs contrary to our world, which says self-esteem is one of the greatest virtues, you know, to make sure you go after self-esteem. And the, what he was writing about was how do, you, how do you conquer the sin of self-esteem? And his answer was basically get up off your (laughs) you-know-what, out of your cell, and help the poor. Mm. Give. The way you conquer Mm self-esteem is give. Because in the process of giving, you really discover who you are. In the self-esteem, you're you're, you're locked in on yourself. Mm. 
and you, you can be completely blind to who you are, but as in giving, then Absolutely. the charity can change you. And which is what I look at what mm-hmm. both of you are doing, and, and both as grandparents and parents, but also in all the apostolates. It's allowing yourself to be available And we've God. always said to our children that we are the parents, and they're accountable to the house rules. But once they become, they choose their vocation, mm-hmm. and they become married, or they become, uh, in our case, uh, a priest, then we're now part of your team. You're no mm-hmm. longer part of our team. We're part of your team. Yeah. We're here to be your support network, but not to interfere with your relationship. And I think the scripture, Marcus, mm-hmm. of being freed is the one where are you there to serve yourself mm-hmm. or are you there to serve others? And when you're not freed, you're going to be a slave to something. And a lot of times that's something, something is to your career, to uh, those things we talked about, who you know, what you have, and what you do, and that becomes who you are. I think I chose this scripture with Joanne because once we had that, once I had that opportunity for conversion, then I had the opportunity to be totally freed. And when you're freed, you're no longer bound to the worldly standards, you're now bound to God's standards, and his standards are liberating. Yeah, this this text which um, has long been a favorite of mine it's neat that it seems to illustrate a five-step process Ooh, I'm interested well it begins with the ones that believed in him I mean that was step one right that's they believed it and then they continued in his teaching in his word and then the third was this, you are truly my disciples. And, and that, what it reminds me of is, remember all those, those um, number of places where he's asking people to, to follow him and they've got conditions? So, yeah. so they've got their own conditions. And as long as they're following hmm. and continuing in their own conditions, hmm. they're not truly. Hmm. But once they believed and then remained or abide or continue it's the same word in his word then the uh, the next step that happens is discipleship that's what discipleship is and then the next step is the knowing of the truth as a process to you know to what extent it's to really know the truth begins with the faith and the continuing and being a disciple, which you're imitating your teacher, and then the freedom comes from that. And I was thinking, Chuck, in your work, a lot of people get that all backwards. The freedom (laughs) is the first step for so many people. Of course, then it's hard for them to ever follow or believe once they seek freedom first on their own terms. And I think uh, freedom today is a lot of times people say it's my body it's my money i can do what i want with it total freedom is when you totally surrender and that's not easy i'm not saying i'm there yet (laughs) but i have noticed that each time i take another baby step forward in in that truth in really understanding god's ways not my ways and total abandonment total surrender and uh, willing to let go, God just is more generous than ever with that peace. And it's not about what am I going to get out of it. It's what about how can I receive that gift? Now I want to give that gift to others because I've been given a gift. And I think that's when that mission to go out and be disciples um, is so important. So it's this passage, I think, says to me, as you know, I was a prisoner, and I don't blame people for it. It was just where I was. But when I became that conversion and transformation started, I became liberated. It's like, thank God. Thank God. I mean, I, I took all that off my shoulders. And, I, and I, I'm not saying I'm younger, but I believe the Lord has protected me by, by my yes to the truth. And I, I would definitely concur with that. And I was thinking about it maybe in a little different way is as Chuck and I, as our 
journeys became so much more united with Christ being the center. And, um, you know, thinking of our marriage encounter as one of those Hmm. moments that you can pinpoint, you know, that that was a powerful weekend. But my decision was a daily mass. And it really started with having to make a decision about our son repeating school, repeating a grade, and not really knowing where to turn. But going to that morning mass, not just that Sunday mass, Mm. and finding instead of thinking, oh, I have to empty the dishwasher, I need to get a start on the laundry, and I don't have time, I've got to, after getting these kids, my agenda what I found, there was a new thirst for God's word. As Chuck and I were going deeper in our love for each other and allowing our Lord to be more and more present in that union, the hunger for his word and direction. And that was over 25 years ago. And, um, you know, we've continued that. And the agendas of being set free, even from the daily hmm. schedule of walking in mass with one thought, walking out saying, I, no, I don't need to do that. This is where I'm called. Um, it's happened so many times. And even my daily duties of homemaker seemed lighter rather than heavier. <laughs> it, it, I, I, it's true. After all those years, um, I've shared that with many young women Mothers who think they don't have time to go to morning mass. Uh, when I look at this text, mm-hmm. and you, you do a lot of work with men. Yes. Chuck, mm-hmm. And you do work mm-hmm. with the women in Columbus, both of you. And there are a lot of people that are still out there trying to be free. They're still hoping to find the freedom that this passage. And I believe that in this passage is an example of why there are so many divisions amongst Christians. It's an estimate even in a, in a Protestant encyclopedia of, of Christianity said there was over 30,000 different denominations mm-hmm. in the world. I heard that. And that came from a Protestant source. And I think it is, when you look at this passage, the Jews, whenever John used the word Jews, he wasn't, it wasn't, uh, uh, he wasn't turning the knife in an anti-Semitic way, but it usually meant the leaders. The Jews usually implied, not everyone was Jew Mm -hmm. in that culture, in the Gospels, Mm -hmm. except the Roman soldiers, for example, or the Samaritans up north. They were all the Jews, but why say the Jews? Well, now we're talking about some of the leaders. And so think how hard it would have been for the the Jews to give up their own agenda, Hmm. to really take his. But those that did, that's what he's saying. Those that did made that surrender as you did, Chuck. Those that did, it's the beginning. And then they've got to continue in the word of Christ, not their own word. And then they'll truly be his disciples. And they'll know the truth, and that freedom comes as a gift. I think one of the reasons we see so many denominations starting up every five days. It used to be. I think it's even more frequent now new Christian groups breaking away and starting is because they think they're following Christ and they haven't experienced the freedom. And part of it is the flaw of sola scriptura allows you to define for yourself who Jesus is and what his message is. And then you think you're following his word, but you're really following your own interpretation of Jesus, the the only Jesus that you've created and you're not really a disciple of him. You're a disciple of the Jesus you've made in your own image. And so, therefore, the truth you think you've found isn't really true. And so the, f- the freedom you think you've gotten is elusive. Well, I know for me, Marcus, um, and being an engineer and, and processes, what really made sense to me um, when that truth was, I discovered the truth and the church, was the fact that the magisterium, the church teaching, tradition, and scripture all have to work together. And I said, that makes sense. Aha, I get it, it makes sense. And when you start to break the fundamentals down of any 
organization, but in this case of our creation, you realize, number one, uh, the importance of marriage. And then you realize within that gift of marriage, we need to be right in the heart of that magisterium tradition and scripture. It's not us interpreting it. If I had to interpret it, you know, yeah. uh, I would be that 40, 441st person or 400 million person that says <laughs> this is the way we ought to go. When I thought I was in charge, I regret those decisions because now I can look back and say, oh my God, and that's, uh, I, our God is so merciful that now I can say, thank God that I can now live in the truth yeah. and that I have been freed. But okay. it's raising children, it's everything we do has to be in sync to our faith. And then truly, you don't have to worry about it again. <laughs> it gets taken care of. Well, I think as a person who was raised in the faith, you know, from birth on, but also raised by, um, I had all nuns in grade school. Vatican II came in my eighth grade. I had a solid Catholic foundation. Uh, history was integrated with the faith. It was somewhat similar to my daughter as she's now homeschooling and having the freedom to teach the fullness of the faith in her home is that when I was confronted with other traditions or philosophies, um, I, I knew it was a counterfeit because for one thing, I knew my Lord in the Eucharist. I knew he was there. And I knew the forgiveness in the sacrament of reconciliation. So that was a tremendous gift of being raised with, um, with a firm foundation. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know that you wanted to talk about marriage issues also in this program. And the second text that you had chosen from Mark, the context of Mark 10 is about, you know, trying to get through a, a, a camel through the eye of a needle and, and Jesus using that as the illustration of it's hard to get into the kingdom if uh, if your focus is on, on riches. And, and and then his d disciples say, well, hey, who, who can be saved then? Well, then he gives this answer. In verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And I'm not sure this is where you want to go with this, but when you're talking about marriage, and there's a lot of marriages failing right and left, hey, this is the verse that deals with that, because on our own we're going to fail. But with the help of God, it's possible. And I know... Um that when Joanne and I put Jesus at the center and that opportunity of going to daily mass and being fed and the opportunity of growing in the faith, um, the closer I am to Jesus, the closer Joanne is to Jesus, the closer we are to each other. Mm. Our love just comes alive. Our respect for each other comes alive. The further we are away from Jesus, the more issues we have because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I think this one, uh, for me, a sinner, says, boy, thank God for God and his mercy, and everything is possible. And it's easy to get married. It's more difficult to stay married. We need the graces to stay married. Young people need to start off, especially Catholics, in the Catholic tradition of blessing their marriage, of starting off with that help. Uh, you know, the beach is pretty, but uh, it's a it's a ceremony. They need to they need to have a lifelong relationship to be able to live out that commitment. It's interesting to think about that. The five steps of John eight in relationship to marriage. You know, you, you get married, go through the continuation, and then you'll know the freedom if you remain in Christ. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. You're coming to you from the Coming Home Network International, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network.
Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. Hi, this is Jerry Usher reminding you to listen to Vocation Boom Radio Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern exclusively on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Each week I bring you dynamic interviews with bishops, priests, vocation directors, even seminarians and those who support them, all in an effort to assist the Holy Spirit in what is truly a vocation boom around the world. That's Vocation Boom Radio Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern only on EWTN Radio. CH Resources is excited to offer you Marcus Grodi's latest book, Thoughts for the Journey Home. If you're not Catholic but are looking seriously at the Catholic Church, or if you've recently entered the Church, this book will provide you with wisdom and encouragement for the journey. And if you're a lifelong Catholic, it makes a great gift for family and friends you're hoping will come home. To order a copy, visit our website at chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Chuck and Joanne Wilson. Chuck was a former congregationalist, and uh, Joanne's wife was a lifelong Catholic. And, uh, and as they shared on the Journey Home program, uh, took a while. It was, it, Chuck's journey was, was kind of funny in the sense that he was a kind of a nominal congregationalist when he married this on-fire uh, Catholic, and then... Uh, Eventually, he joined the church and became a nominal Catholic. He just went from nominal to nominal until the Lord started working on his life and got him to realize he had to surrender self to Jesus. And uh, now he's he both he and Joanne are, are dedicated in, in service for the Lord. We wanted to just turn our directions even more directly to Scripture that deals with marriage, and we want to look at Ephesians five. And Ephesians 5 is, on the one hand, a very familiar verse to most people who even attend a wedding once in a while. It's often a verse that uh, people don't want to hear. I rarely, whenever it's read, when it's, it's the, the mass readings, do I ever hear the priest deal with this passage? He certainly deals with the gospel message rather than this passage because uh, it, depending on how you interpret it, uh, people have a hard time. So let me read it, and then we'll talk about it. All right, this is Ephesians 5, and I'll just read verses 22 through 27, though really it's a larger context all the way through verse 33. Paul writes, Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Oh, I didn't know if that emphasis was in there. No, but it was in everything to their husbands. Okay, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. I'm going to jump down to 32. This mystery is a profound one, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, I think, Marcus, for myself, and as we talked about our marriage encounter weekend and uh, two becoming one, when I look at this, what I really look at is that call to holiness for men today. And as you know, I'm involved in men's ministry. And a lot of times, as men, we've abandoned our, our wives. 
we have not treated them well. We've not respected them. We've not confirmed them, affirmed them. Um, we have not listened to them. And I think what this is really calling men to is back to a holiness that our wives so desire. Our wives want men to be holy today. And when Christ says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, um, that to me says, okay, men, we got to shape up. <laughs> well, and also in my women's group, uh, you know, this is exactly the scripture that we've been dealing with in Mulieris Dignitatum, and it's provoked a lot of really good discussion. And what really has come out of that, and I know it's true for Chuck and I, is as he is loving me more and I am loving him more and we are in that order of arrangement that God intended it to be, there's a deeper trust there. There's a letting go of this um, power struggle <laughs> that is so prevalent today in a role of you know, women trying to take on a man's role. Maybe she's nervous because the man isn't stepping up. But there's a, whatever it is, it's not as God intended it to be. This lived out is beautiful, and that's the model. And 15 women, you know, would agree, and maybe in a new way, having read our Holy Father's encyclical and really going deeply into what does this mean to be loved as Christ loved his church. He gave his, his life for his church. He gave his life for the body, for the bride. And so when someone loves you that much, when someone cherishes you that much, you are wanting to submit to them. It's a, it's a joy. And I can see in our 40 years of marriage, times where we've struggled, it's, it has been because of sin entering in. And, um, and that has no place. That's got to go. Yeah, the reason that I, I wanted to jump down and read verse 32 and 33 is to remind us that the, the model for marriage is modeled after the church. And earlier in Ephesians where it talks about that Christ called apostles and preachers and teachers and evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, that talks about this structure of the church. And... In our, we recognize as Catholics that there is a hierarchical structure within the church. Now, if those that are in positions of leadership lord it over the church, that those under them, they're not following Christ's teachings. Right. That's why John Paul II mm -hmm. always called himself the servant of servants. That's what it means to be the vicar of Christ, servant of servants. So it's as if the hierarchy has turned on its head. And we see that in Jesus. He's still the head of the church, but he gave himself for the church. So, you know, Chuck, you and I as husbands, we don't have enough we don't have the right to shirk our responsibility for our family. But it doesn't give us any right to lord it over anybody. We're to be the servant of our wife and children. You know, I always thought that <clears throat> meek and weak were the same. But <laughs> <laughs> Truly, sounds this, like a New England slogan. This, this is where <laughs> just because you're meek does not mean you're weak. Oh. It's yeah. that meek in spirit. And, uh, you know, how do you work around some of the issues? And one way I do, Marcus, is I put the 48 hour test on everything that we're discerning. Or even if I'm upset with Joanne, instead of responding right away in anger or whatever. I want to sleep on it. And what I find out is most times within 48 hours, those issues go away. <laughs> and, uh, and I think what's important here is, as you say, uh, that it's the relationship between Christ and the church. And my relationship to Joanne is to help her to get to heaven, mm -hmm. and she is to help me get to heaven. Yep. And, you know, each one of us have to be obedient to somebody. And we're obedient to Christ, but I heard this, and uh, from a theology standpoint, you can correct me. So see if I'm. But during the day, 
men and business and other things we do are obedient. We're obedient to our customers. We're obedient to our boss. We're obedient to the board. We have more people we're obedient to. Our wives during the day, if they're at home, the children are obedient to our wives. So what God has created when we come home is for our wives to be obedient to us. We all need that to help get to heaven. You can correct me, but that's that's what I've heard, and it makes sense. Well, and just the only way that I say it lightly, diff, slightly differently is, and I agree with you, really, that given the oh the, the hyper-misunderstanding of submission in all of this, that that's really something that, that wives need to re- discover for themselves rather than a husband telling them. That's where we get in trouble, and that's not what you're doing. But, right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Well, it, again, as I mentioned to you in the break, that when I think of this verse by Paul, when he was, I almost envision him when he's having this read to the newly baptized, is the way I envision this thing happening, is that he tells, first of all, the husbands, now you just leave the room for a second here. I'm going to talk to the wives. And then he tells the wives the way they're supposed to treat, freely treat their yes. husbands. And then when he's done, he says, now the husband's only left for a minute. I want you to leave for five minutes because I got a whole lot more to tell these guys. <laughs> so you go over there and you listen yeah. because the husbands mm-hmm. are the ones that are going to give up their life for you and that for their families and and all of that. And it's interesting you also said that, yeah, during the day the husbands are out there obedient to a boss they may not like or to a company they might like and all these different things. It always cracks me up when women say, I want to be like a man. I want to go up there and have that freedom. And so they leave the home to go out there and be, have fight all those stupid yeah. battles yeah. that we got to fight out there in the world. Right. You know, that we, the, the part of the reason that we take that responsibility so they have the freedom to be. Exactly. The freedom to be the mother and wife that God wanted them to be. It's not belittling of a woman. But we've come through a difficult last 30, 40 years of a twisting of the understanding of husband and, and look wife. And look what the result of that twisting has been. Look at the brokenness. Look at the divorce. Yeah. Look at the family life. You know, the, look at the fruit of that teaching that was so incorrect lived out. We have lived like Homani Vitae. Yeah. We've lived and the sadly, result. some yes. probably some women that are our age that sought that freedom, quote, through career, yeah. and now they're, they have no children. Right. I see it all the time. Well, I think one of the, this passage, again, to me, is if I'm to be the father of our family, the one thing that our children are going to do is they're going to love their mother, but they're going to watch their dad. The dad is very important. Mm -hmm. And when the dad respects the mother, when the dad listens to their mother, and then the children are going to be more willing to accept their mother, uh, and they're going to know that certain things are out of bounds. It's so important for men today to respect and honor and affirm their wives. And that's to me, is when you do that, you see your wife just come alive. And that's, and I, why, I, I, that's why I think this verse is, is so important for us to just grow in our holiness so we can do a better job because it's, in some regards for men, it's unnatural for that. But in other God, that's what God wants us to do because then we're becoming the servants that he wants us to be. And those of you who might have heard our complete story, that has not always been the case in our marriage. You know, times in our marriage, especially our early marriage, I did not feel affirmed or loved in a way that was um, God's plan. And many of the difficulties we had were a result of that dysfunction, maybe being passed down through culture, tradition, whatever. But I'm here to say there's hope that even if that's your situation, it doesn't have to continue. God can change it. God can work in your life. Grace can happen that wherever you might be, wherever we were, you're not stuck in that because all things are possible. And God is there to set us free, free to love him, free to be the model of domestic church, the model of his church in our sacrament and marriage. So it's it's a hope. 
You know, I was just reading over lunch a book on marriage, and it, it was talking about the misunderstandings that we as husbands have about what our wives need. And I know you and I are rarely wrong, Chuck. <laughs> but this was talking about the one example that made me think of it as you were speaking is that we have this idea that what our wives most need is the sense of security. And so that fed what you did all those years. Mm. You mm-hmm. thought you were given exactly what that she needs. Right. But at the core of it, the kind of security she really mm. needs is the emotional sense of your love for her. That's a security she needed. Mm. It really wasn't the financial security. So it true. was the intimacy of the of the secure marriage, whether you had money or not, right? I mean, that's... Well, and I think, as Joanne mentioned, when that happened in our marriage, Joanne blossomed. <laughs> and what I realized is, is so often we can prevent that from happening. And, um, you know, also, I think wherever you are, uh, and particularly women today, I say to my daughters and any young woman, you have the most important vocation in life. Vocation for me might be make a job, make a decision, but it's over within a day or two days or three days, I move on. What you're doing is forming men and women for generations to come. And we have to get back to investing in these generations to come. And as you say, Marcus, therefore we're gonna die of that selfishness and we gotta say we're here to serve them, to be to allow them to be the man and woman of God so when they're later on, they can be forming that next generation. I, and I couldn't stress more how important it is for both husband and wife to understand the roles that they are to have within marriage and live it out for their children and one another. Because um, we've come through a difficult half century on, uh, on the attack on the family and on marriage. The meaning of man and woman and femininity and masculinity has taken a real beating. And there's one group of men particularly that aren't quite, that the problems they experience aren't quite noticed. And it's men that are sensitive to their wives, who want to do the best they can for their wives in a culture when they hear the feminists wanting, uh, you know, control or right. influence or power, the sensitive man doesn't know what his role is anymore. Mm. He doesn't have the strength mm. to fight for leadership. That's not right. Mm. So if he is sensitive and wants to give, but he's with women that want to take, that's a difficult situation and how that man lives out his role. Again, mm-hmm. It's sacrificial. All they can do is give. Yeah. Can't demand. So yeah. again, we need both men and women rediscovering the Christ-centeredness of their roles in submissive to one another, as it says back in verse 21, which I didn't read on purpose till now. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, just in different ways. Now, we're going to take another break. We'll come back for some final thoughts for our discussion. All right. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined by Chuck and Joanne Wilson. You're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at one 800 664 Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Chuck and Joanne Wilson, who are uh, grandparents of 12. 12 
Wow. When when still unborn? No, wow. that's twelve. That's twelve. Well, that's great. I I'm su- I'm supposed to become a my, uh, finally become a grandfather this coming August. So well, we'll congratulations. Praying, praying for John, Mark, and Teresa and and, and healthy healthy uh, Teresa's health and and the baby's health and uh, that's an exciting thing for us. You know, there's a couple things we could we could go to. We got about seven minutes left. I was was thinking this other passage you had chosen about whoever receives one child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but he who sent me. I mean, that really does emphasize that the way that we pour out love to our children, to our grandchildren, we're pouring it out to Jesus. Oh, that's so well said, Marcus. That's so well said, even for young moms who are so busy with the needs, caregiving needs of their children, that meditation of taking care of their child, seeing the Christ child in that child as a time of prayer and ministering to that child in all stages is so beautiful. Yeah, whatever you do the least of of these, you, you do unto me in that great parable of the sheep and the goats. Sometimes... Uh, we may have children that are difficult. They may be not as naturally easy to get along with. Parents to kids, I know, I'm sure your right. kids were, you had, <laughs> you had five, four or five perfect kids, you know, some you had no problems. With. But, you know, it's Jesus. Yeah. It's Jesus. Yeah. That's who they are. They're Jesus. Grandkids. I remember once when I was a first pastor, and I remember I had such an idealistic view of, of marriage at the time. I was unmarried. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and I remember a grandparent say, you know, the best thing about being grandparents and grandkids is you can say goodbye to them. And I didn't quite get that, but there was a point saying, you know, you know, I can really give of myself and then, you know, I can pray for them. And, uh, uh, but there's a uniqueness of our relationship with grandparents and, and kids, right? And I, I think that relationship is really understanding our time here is limited. And no matter what we do or what we have, it's going to come and go. The only aspect that we can leave is a legacy if God's open and uh, to allowing this happen is life. And the gift of life we have today, and I think a lot of the fathers have forgotten about what their mission is. And everybody thinks the mission is that worldly standards, but the really mission is is to be the father and to be open to have children and provide for those children, because that's the next generation, and then they're going to be formed. So you know, I think when when I hear what we're talking about, I, I just want to challenge the men out there to change today, keep it going to become that man God wants you to be, and that's the only way you're going to be set free. And stay close with the faith. And I, I know this whole scripture we're talking about, really it's Joanne and I are equals. I mean, it's like we become one. But Joanne has certain mm-hmm. gifts I don't have, and I have certain gifts Joanne doesn't have, not boasting on it. But when it comes together, it works. God's plan yeah. works for marriage, and we're celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary. <laughs> and I, I can... Thank God we did not bail out in the tough times. Stay with it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that opportunity for conversion, be open to it, transformation, and then share that with others. And when you see children today, reaffirm life to their parents uh, because today children are not reaffirmed. And I think, again, it's so important to begin your marriage with the graces that you'll need. But then to count on those graces. In time of difficulty, we can be assured that his grace is enough for us. It is there for us. But to go and and allow those graces to come into our lives by staying plugged in, stay plugged into the church. And, you know, Mother Church is there to nurture us, to mother us. And it, we're not alone. And we're out there with the support even of all the angels and saints. So um, when we really rely on that and trust in that, I think it's a tremendous help. The verses you've chosen keep coming back to me when I think mm-hmm. about because we must not interpret Scripture apart from the context, mm-hmm. and not just the context of the words around it, but the context of the entire Scripture's 
the tradition that Christ handed on to his apostles, the history of the church, because with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And God gave us the sacraments through his church that we would receive the graces, receive him in the Eucharist so that we aren't on our own. The sacrament of marriage is a grace that changed you too into one. You're just left on your own to make it happen. It's the grace of the sacraments. And it's also the grace uh, of uh, that reconciliation sacrament. And um, Mm -hmm. I know for myself, I need that. And I know we all need that because that's the only way that I can stay in grace, receive the blessed sacrament, use the the sacrament of reconciliation um, to allow me to become that person God wants wants to be. It's a total journey. I mean, this journey's not over for any of us, but that opportunity for conversion is daily. And when we start to receive that freedom, and that's what we talked about in the beginning, John 8, 31, right. when you truly are freed, you're gonna be the happiest, most content person. Uh, uh, doesn't mean there won't be trials, but you're gonna be able to weather those trials. And when he said, continue in my word, his word Mm. also included, thou art Peter. Mm. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So we are not to be just me and Jesus. We become a part of the body through baptism. And we continue as faithful children of God in the church. And through that, we will know the truth. And there comes our freedom. Uh, We'll know how to interpret scripture, how to live it, how to be good husbands and fathers and mothers and, and, and daughters and wives and uh, and not just trying to figure out on our own of course we got all kinds of tv shows trying to tell us what marriage and life is all about and they're all over the place right and we turn them off <laughs> <laughs> except for wtn you know, exactly <laughs> uh, well thank you both again uh, there's a we want to tell the folk about uh, what if they want to get in touch with you or hear more about what you're doing is there a website or uh, there's catholic women and catholic men right of columbus yeah, columbus catholic and ColumbusCatholicWomen.com. And Joanna Chuck Wilson. And again, uh, thank you, Marcus, for all you do. Uh, it's an honor so and pleasure much. for us to be here. You're building the kingdom. You're helping us on our journey. Well, it's we the appreciate of that. Thank you both. Thank you both for joining us and your witness, and uh, both as husband, wife, father, mother, grandfather, grandmother. Uh, thank you all for your witness for us. And, uh, Thank you for joining us on this program. I hope this has been an encouragement to you in your walk with Christ to believe in him, to continue in his word as we have received it from his church. Then you truly are his disciple and he will know the truth by his grace and then you'll be free. God bless you. See you next week.